Well, thank you for worshiping with us. Um, picking up in a, a little bit of a goofy spot, if you haven't been with us, um, uh, some of it when it comes down to the series that we're in, um, it's a little silly because this is week two of two. Week one was September 11. <laughs> it's a little bit different way of doing things. This particular time, as I was working through these couple weeks, uh, just different events in the world of church around the country, around the world, started to get to me in early September. And as I was working through that first outline, I was like, man, I need to, I need to get this off my chest right now. And so that's why it kind of happened in early September and we came back to it. We had some other things we needed to do through uh, September, October, November. Um, but the series is Respectable Sins, and, and kind of loosely based on this book uh, that I've read several times at this point, Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges. Uh, highly recommend it. It'll mess with you in a really good way. Um, but if you didn't have a chance at some point, go back and listen to September 11. It really gets into kind of the, the groundwork for where we're at today. But basically, talked about how uh, when things hit the fan in our lives, when, when we experience weakness, when we experience brokenness, when sin uh, comes to the forefront in our lives in big ways and in small ways, when we screw up, for lack of a better phrase, there's, there's certain things that we do in reaction to that, right? And, and you see this in our own lives. We see this in celebrity pastors. We see this from big corporations. We see this all over the world. The first thing we typically do is we manage the behavior, Right now, managing behavior is not a bad thing to do. If, if your behavior is incorrect, if your behavior is destructive, you should make some adjustments to your behavior. But basically, we go, okay, when I go to that place, things get bad. I'm going to stop going to that place. Right? When I, when I open my mouth in this context, I say the wrong things. I hurt people, so I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to remove myself from that situation, from that context, and that's good. But sometimes we stop with managing the behavior. It's a good thing, right? It's not a bad idea to change behavior, but, it's, but it can't be where we stop. And then what you typically see is after managing the behavior, we manage the fallout. Sometimes that's necessary, right? That, that can include apologies. That can include, uh, in some cases at the highest levels, that, that includes a great marketing campaign to cover up the behaviors that have been happening within you or your corporation or your leadership. You make, you do certain things to just, let's Let's take care of the mess that has been created, and then we can move on from there, right? But that's also not enough. And the point that we made back in September was, in the midst of managing the behavior, in the midst of maybe managing fallout that exists because of your behavior, what we need to do is manage the heart. Because when it really comes down to it, the issue is not the visible act out here. Now, sinful actions are bad, right? I think we'll all agree that. Bad decisions are bad. Uh, the mess we make from our actions is bad. We, we certainly have to pay attention to that. But, but what we talked about is how those actions on the outside, the things that come out here in public, are really 10% of the issue. And that wasn't a scientific number that we came up with. It's just my observations of life and ministry and people and things like that. 90% of the issue is on the inside. Because whether the, whether the actions come out as this big, huge, messy problem or little, tiny, maybe even ignorable problems, the runway is the same. That 90% is the same. The, the issue inside that leads to that action is the same. That space, that neglected area, that runway, that unseen 90%. That is the same no matter what the manifestation is, even if it's big 
or small. And so this series, this short two-week series, in many ways, is designed for those of you who have it all figured out. You're in pretty good shape. Your life isn't a huge, blown-up mess. You've got it all figured out. And so we need to talk about respectable sins. And we laid the groundwork back on September 11. Today is just a continuation of that a bit. But today there's a process I need to talk about because there's there's an important process that we experience in our walk with Jesus. And it it comes in kind of two different angles, right? There's a momentary process and there's an ongoing process. And this happens whether it's big, ugly, scary messes in our lives or subtle, sweep-it-under-the-rug type messes in our lives. And the process is this difference between being sanctified and sanctification, right? Welcome to church. We're using the big words today, right? Being sanctified and the process of sanctification. So sanctified means to be made holy. It means that you're dedicated to God and set apart for the purpose he intends. It means that you are free from the guilt of sin. You are sanctified, couple verses that lead us to this conclusion. 1 Corinthians 6.11 is one of them. It says, You were washed, this is in coming to Christ, in turning your heart and life over to him, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were made holy. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Another one is Hebrews 10.10. It says, We have been made holy, sanctified, through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So in Christ, when you've given your heart to him, surrendered your life, asked, confessed your sins, asked for the forgiveness of those sins, been made white as snow, your position is secure. Your label in God's eyes is secure. Your eternal status is secure. You are set apart. You are changed. You are Forgiven. That word justified that we read in the second verse, that means that your legal status before God is not guilty. It's done. And, and above anything else we ever talk about here, right? We talked about relationships in the last series. Sometimes we talk about financial stewardship. Sometimes we talk about parenting. We talk about all kinds of different practical applications of the gospel in our everyday lives. But the first and foremost thing is understanding that we have to have that relationship with Jesus because only in him do we experience that status of forgiven, that status of sanctified, set apart, made holy, Jesus and his holiness and righteousness are credited to us. It has to begin with that acknowledgement. I am a sinner. Because of my sin, I am separated from God and a relationship with him that I was created for, and that's only fixed by surrendering my heart to Jesus, believing that he is God come in the flesh and that he died to pay for my sins and he rose again to give me eternal life. That is where it begins. That is how we experience this status of being sanctified. So that's one angle, right? You are sanctified. The other angle we see in a couple other verses. We'll go to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 to start. It says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Down to verse 7, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life, a sanctified life. Back to Hebrews Hebrews 12 this time, Hebrews 12, 4. I'm sorry, 12, 14. 
It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Live sanctified. Make an effort to be holy. And you read that and you think, okay, it, it's God's will that I should become sanctified, that I should live holy, make every effort. I thought it was done. I thought it was set. I thought I was secure. What's this effort stuff coming in? What's this living a certain way stuff coming in that maybe is affecting this sanctified status? Well, it's, it's different. This is an ongoing process. Sanctification means purification. It's living more and more according to God's design. It's being used more and more for the purpose that God intends for you. It's experiencing the fruit of our obedience to the word of God. And so there is a status of being sanctified and also an ongoing process of being sanctified. Okay, simple, silly little illustration here, right? This is uh, one of our really awesome fieldstone pens, right? We got some blue ones around here. We got some gray ones around here. Uh, so th this is, in its original form, it just kind of a collection of miscellaneous molded plastic pieces. There's a spring in there, okay? There's a tube. There, there's some ink involved, just some generic parts, right? But, but brought together for a specific purpose, no longer just Parts no longer useless as they were on their own. Now they've been brought together for a greater purpose. Pieced together from what was, set apart for what it now is. It is a pen. Its status is secure. It is a pen. But if I simply take this pen and try to do anything with it, you get that awful sound that makes, it's doing chills to my spine right now, right? It's, it's like that chalkboard thing. It's like, no, Justin, you said this was a pen, so why is nothing happening here? It's still just a blank piece of paper. Well, there's a little thing you have to do. This noise that is obnoxious to you, but so calming to the person who's doing it for some reason, right? You sit in your office back and forth. It is a pen, and yet there is a simple step to make this pen become useful in what it is to produce ink on the paper, and all of a sudden it works. It was already inarguably a pen, and yet there's some practical steps required for it to fulfill its purpose as a pen. And then you use the pen for a while, right? It's great. Set apart. This thing does exactly as it was supposed to do. It's fulfilling its purpose. And then what happens after a while? You start to get that sound again. You start to Get, get to where it's not working anymore. And some rookie to the world of pens would go, wait, 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 this was working a little bit ago. You said it was a pen. You said it was fulfilling its purpose. What's going on? Well, simply, it was running out of ink. It, it lost track of healthy levels of ink. And so what do you got to do? You got to take it apart, maybe, get, maybe, get, uh, maybe remove an old spring, maybe, maybe switch that up, uh, swap in a new tube of ink to make it work again, right? Now making it back to what it's supposed to be, possibly even better, depending on how you handle the process. And so it was already inarguably a pen, a nice, valuable, productive pen, but it needed some ongoing work to allow it to continually, more fully, more consistently fulfill its purpose. God has set you apart, sealed forever. In Christ, your status is secure. And 
God is setting you apart. And this is a tough balance because you are forgiven. You are labeled innocent. You are set apart. You are washed white as snow. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus and his righteousness and his perfection are credited to you and you're a sinner. And sin is real and sin is destructive and sin is a rejection of God and his way and it drives a wedge in your heart between God and you and sin drives a wedge in your heart between you and others. And so you should examine your heart and be painfully aware of your brokenness. And this is the tension I want to draw, the tension I want to draw your attention to today. The world is a sinful fallen place. Yes, our society is messed up. Our society does have a broken view of things. Our society often promotes and celebrates things that we would call broken. Our leaders do have ulterior motives. It's not a conspiracy, right? They've got hidden, selfish motives to their leadership. There are horrific sins committed all over the world, all over our country, right here within our communities. There is a concern for what our children and grandchildren will be asked to face as they grow up. And... In the midst of all of that mess that's so easy to see and so easy to call out and so easy to feel broken over, in the midst of all that, the biggest issue you need to worry about, the biggest issue you need to deal with, the biggest issue you need to pray for God's miraculous power over is you. Those areas where the issues of your heart, that hidden 90%, become exposed in real life. And here's where we turn to this idea of respectable sins, because for most of us, the matters of the heart, they don't manifest themselves in these major horrific things, right? For the most part, our 90% doesn't come out in evening news type stuff, right? Dirty politicians type stuff, Jeffrey Epstein type stuff. It's For most of us, in most situations, it's not the obvious things that inflict us. Sometimes it is, right? There's certainly horrible things that people do that even sometimes we do, but usually not because we know how to avoid those big things. We know how to, if those big things show up, we know how to change those. We certainly know how to see those things and call them out in others. Well, at least I don't talk like that. At least I've never been divorced. At least I've never cheated on my wife. At least at least I'm pro-life, right? At least I firmly believe that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. At least my daughter wears modest prom dresses, right? So we have these big things that we can see out in the world, these signs of brokenness in our communities and in our country and in the lives of the people that we know. Well, I would say congratulations. What about the issues in your life that you don't want to talk about? The ones that are usually more subtle, See, because we, we are civilized. We know how to act in public. We know how to act in private most of the time. The things we struggle with, maybe those are just in our mind, maybe locked behind a phone password, maybe left behind in another city. You're not going to get yourself arrested, right? You're not going to embarrass your family. You know how to do the when in Rome thing those subtle expressions of our brokenness, those get excused, those get hidden or covered up. And those ones, when it comes to the fallout, those only require just a quick 
easy apology, right? Way less fallout to manage, way easier behaviors to change if we need to. Those don't get people riled up as much, even when it's brokenness kind of revealing itself. Words like impatient, words like envious, things like attitude of discontentment, those don't make the divorce papers. Those don't come up in conversations when we talk about what we fear for our children and grandchildren. I will never be asked to clarify our church's stance on worry or anger or pride. Subtle little things, easily ignorable little things, and yet a big deal. There's a quick passage from this Respectable Sins book I'd love to to read because I I love the way he just kind of gets to the heart of the matter, both literally and figuratively. Bridges says this. He says, Here is the unvarnished truth that we need to lay to heart. Even though our hearts have been renewed, even though we have been freed from the absolute dominion of sin, even though God's Holy Spirit dwells within our bodies. He's talking to believers, right? Those who have experienced Christ. Even for us, this principle of sin still lurks within us and wages war against our souls. It is the failure to recognize the awful reality of this truth that provides the fertile soil in which our respectable or acceptable sins grow and flourish. We who are believers tend to evaluate our character and conduct relative to the culture in which we live. Since we usually live at a higher moral standard than society at large, it's easy for us to feel good about ourselves and to assume that God feels that way also. We fail to reckon with the reality of sin still dwelling within us. And then further down on that page, he says, The acceptable sins, they're subtle in the sense that they deceive us into thinking they're not so bad, or into not thinking of them as sins, or even worse, not thinking about them at all. Yes, some of our refined sins are so subtle that we commit them without even thinking about them, either at the time or afterward. We often live in unconscious denial of our acceptable sins. It's like what we talked about in part one of this series. It takes root. It starts in the heart. Even small, subtle issues need to be evaluated. They need to be seen. They need to be given to God to be dealt with. That's why that song, I run to the Father, how many times? Again and again and again and again. Why? Because even though we've been forgiven, even though our status is secure, even though we are sanctified, we're still experiencing the process of sanctification, of being sanctified. And we get fooled into thinking that those subtle little sins are not that bad, that they're not that big of a deal. But that is exactly why they're a big deal. So then the question becomes, all right, what are these, what are these subtle little small sins that we let go, right? What, what, what are some of these things? Well, the, uh, these come from the, the different chapters that, that Bridges uh, goes into detail on these. So I'm not going to get into full definitions of all of them this morning, but I just want to kind of list out the ones that he mentions um, because it starts to, I, I know for me, it starts to trigger some things in my heart and mind. I'm like, is that, that might be me. I'm, I didn't even, maybe not even thought that that was that big of a deal, right? But you, when you start to call it sin, all of a sudden it triggers something, right? 
Maybe a little bit of denial, maybe a little bit of pushback. You want to debate the topic a little bit. But here's, here's the list that he provides when it comes to respectable sins. Ungodliness. Worry or anxiety. Not clinical anxiety, right? There's a difference between the anxiety that God talks about us eliminating from our lives and, and the clinical type. Discontentment unthankfulness, pride and selfishness, lack of self-control, impatience and irritability, anger, judgmentalism, envy, jealousy, sins of the tongue. Lost you on that one, didn't I? Worldliness. Right? And there is some great room for conversation around some of these. There's great room for even disagreement with some of these things as you dig through Scripture and see some of the arguments that he makes. But none of them are horrific at first glance. right? Like I said, no, nobody, nobody preaches a sermon like, we've, we've seen a, a huge outbreak of unthankfulness in our society, and I feel like I need to clarify where we're at as a church when it comes to that. right? That, nobody worries about that one. Which is good, because worry would be a sin too, right? So, so see how these subtle little things sneak in there? None of them are horrific at first glance, but all of them are worth a look. All of them are worth evaluation, because all of them are seeds that can grow in the soil of your heart. All of them are often and easily dismissed as we examine the more obvious issues, either in our lives or in the lives around us. As we evaluate ourselves on a deeper level, we have to be willing to run to the Father again and again and again and experience that continual work of sanctification in our lives, not being satisfied that we've cleared out the big stuff, that we've avoided the big, scary, ugly, awkward stuff, and yet there's still work that he wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. So how do we allow God to continue that work of sanctification in some of these areas, some of these secret areas, some of these subtle respectable areas. Well, I would push you to Psalm 139 as a great place to start, just the way that David approaches God with some of his struggles. And some of the, some of the things I would encourage you to do is, number one, I'd say let God search you and thank him for doing so. Thank him for knowing you. Allow, just have that moment say, God, all right, search my heart, right? And that process, God already knows your heart. God already knows who you are and what your struggles are, what your big sins are and what your subtle, respectable sins are. And so from there, you have to ask him to reveal to your heart what he's seeing. And then when God brings it to mind, acknowledge the issue and confess it back to him. Yes, God, I do see that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention, whether it was his still small voice speaking it to you or someone in your life that he's used to draw your attention to some things that maybe you weren't aware of. Acknowledge the issue and confess it back to him. If it is sin, confess it and give it to him. Ask, you to, ask him to free you from it. And then in a, in a little bit more of an active approach, brainstorm some ways to replace that with something healthy. If you find that you have an attitude of unthankfulness, I have a couple of friends. They start each day and end each day thinking through three things that they're thankful for in their lives, right? Taking something that is a subtle, respectable sin and replacing it with something 
as a healthy opposite. If you find that you're judgmental, maybe commit to praying for each person that you find yourself evaluating on a regular basis. If, if it's worldliness, right, thinking through what, what, where are you being exposed to those things and cutting them out of your life, right? Because like I said, managing the behavior isn't enough, but it's still an important part of the process. If you're starting at the heart level and allowing God to work on you on the inside, to sanctify you from the inside out, then, all right, how, how do I exchange these behaviors for different behaviors, and I'd say if you're having trouble seeing where your respectable sins are, if you're, if you're having trouble experiencing growth in those areas, bring someone along to help, right? They, they might see something that you're not seeing. They might see growth in you that you're not seeing, right? That can be an encouraging process. And, and those people can often bring us along on their journey and how they've walked some of these roads and experienced some of these things. Have to allow God to continue the work of sanctification in our lives and not settling for the big stuff. Some miscellaneous things to keep in mind as I close it out here this morning. I think we've got to keep in mind that it, I believe it's possible to be saved but still be far from who God created you to be and still be far from the life that he calls you to live. I, I've said this before. I know there, there are some in uh, the world of church and, and theology that would disagree. I believe you can be on your way to heaven and still be living hell on earth. If you've experienced that moment where you've been sanctified, you, you, you firmly believe that Jesus is who he said he was, and you've given your sin to him, and he's freed you from that, and yet you don't allow him to do the continual work, and it's what some have called in the past fire insurance faith. We're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm not going to hell anymore, and yet I haven't allowed God to transform my life in a tangible way. Right? Like James, read the book of James now. Faith without works is dead. It means faith without works is meaningless for this life. You might be on your way to heaven, but you're still living hell on earth because you haven't allowed God to continue that work of sanctification in you. So it's possible, possible to be saved and still be far from who God wants you to be. Second miscellaneous thing. This is a little bit of a warning, especially for those of you who have it all figured out. God using you might mean absolutely nothing about your current walk with him. God using you might mean absolutely nothing about your current walk with him. There's a, a book I was reading about Jonah, um, and, he, and he, as you're exam, examining Jonah's life and heart and some of the things that God accomplished through him, he said, Jonah discovered that it's possible to experience much and to accomplish much for God and yet for some areas of his life to be untouched by God's grace. You could be the greatest servant used in a church, used around the world, doing these great things. Jonah experienced and accomplished amazing things on God's behalf, and yet his heart was messed up. If you read the end of that book, he was far from who God wanted him to be, even in the midst of the experiences and the accomplishment. Don't let yourself off the hook for these respectable sins just because you find yourself serving God. God can use you, and yet you could be keeping huge chunks of your heart away from him. And then the final thing I'd say is this. I, I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that I'm drawing attention to these different things to add to the guilt in your life, to add to the weight that you're carrying around, trying to 
be who you're supposed to be and trying to please God, right? This isn't about adding guilt and adding to your list of sins. It's simply trying to remind you of your need for grace as much as the next person that you come in contact with, right? Because our tendency is to see the big stuff. Stay away from the big stuff. Call out the big stuff. Make people aware of the scary, awkward stuff and then ignore the little things in our lives that God wants to deal with. And so I would encourage you, let these subtle outward things lead you back to the source, lead you back to that 90% runway in your heart. Because here's, here's the reality. When it comes to big sins or little things, God has a standard. And it, it doesn't matter what God's standard would be. We would fail, right? Go back to the Garden of Eden. Don't eat that one fruit. The whole world is your playground, not that tree. Fail. And so we as humans, it, it, it's, it's not about the standards. It's about recognizing what God wants to do in us and through us and build that relationship with us. And I think that the danger of ignoring our subtle, respectable weak spots is the danger of denying our own need for his daily grace. You are not healthy. You're broken as much as the next broken person in your life. But Romans 7.25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where the answer lies. And so as we open up our hearts to him and allow him to search us and reveal those things to us and allow, allow him to change us from the inside out, that's when we experience more and more of that transforming grace of Jesus Christ. Let's pray, and then I've got one more thing for you. Father, we, we love you. We just thank you for this opportunity today, and, and even in the goofiness of, of the 10-week spread between weeks, God, we, just, we ask that you would search us. God, put us in situations where in the quietness of a moment you reveal things to us, not to weigh us down, Lord, that's not your way. Not to add to our guilt, Lord, you've said that your burden is light. And yet, God, to experience more and more of your grace in our lives, to continue that work of sanctification in our hearts and in our lives, and God, to, to draw our attention to those around us who need the same measure of grace from us. God, will trust you to do the work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Hey, one quick thing before we get out of here. I wanted to uh, make you uh, aware of something we're planning for next summer. So next July, we, we've been trying to do our first um, uh, kind of big missions trip as a church for a while now. We, we were supposed to go to Nicaragua in summer of 2020. Nobody went anywhere in summer of 2020, so that obviously didn't happen. So Joe is planning um, a missions trip to Pawnee, Oklahoma, uh, July 21 to 29. You don't have to memorize this. We've got the info for you. Um, going to have an opportunity to spend a week down there working with a, with a little Baptist church uh, in the midst of the Pawnee uh, Native American tribe in Pawnee, Oklahoma. I'm going to be leading kids programs, potentially some smaller work projects, depending on what they have for us. Um, and so we're excited to offer that, and we're going to be offering some info meetings coming up here this winter. But just so you kind of know who we're targeting and, and what we're looking to do, um, the primary target of this trip is our students, middle school and high school. So uh, we'll be targeting those going into sixth grade, so current fifth graders through current high school seniors are our number one target of that trip. Um, but we also want this to be as much of a multi-generational experience as we can. And so if you as an adult are interested in going, if you as a parent are interested in going, we'd love to invite you to be a part of that conversation. But because the target is teenagers, we want to make sure that any adult who goes is uh, wired 
for teenagers, equipped to work with teenagers, to, to not only do some driving and to, to lead some work crews, but also be uh, a healthy spiritual guide for any teenagers that are going. And so uh, we're, we're targeting our students, and yet we want to open it up to any adults who are interested in going. There will be an application process, a little bit of an interview, uh, just to kind of make sure that there's a good fit when it comes to teens and adults. Um, but we want to let you know, because what we're going to do is, um, on December 11, that's a Sunday, December 11, we're going to do just really quick info meetings after both services, and then we're going to do a Zoom info meeting that evening at 6 o'clock on December 11. So, so if you have questions, um, that's the place to hit and get some of those questions answered. We have these uh, little info packets available at the info center table. If they run out, we'll print more and we'll get them to you. You've got some time. Uh, we'll be announcing this throughout the next couple months, and then into the winter, we want to lock down the team by like early April, right? So you've got a little time, but not a ton of time, because there's things to be done, there's some planning to be done, and the sooner we can start building that team, the better. So that's the end of July, July 21 to 29, that's a Friday through the next Saturday, I believe. Um, Pawnee, Oklahoma, grab an info packet. Also, if you go to fieldstonechurch.org students, or fieldstonechurch.org slash getaway. There are links on both of those pages uh, to get this info packet to start reading up on what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish, um, and what, what we're hoping God will do uh, through our efforts. So check that out. Let us know if you have questions. But as I said, target Sunday, December 11 as a chance to show up and, and uh, ask questions and hear the basics. And if you can't be here, we've got the Zoom that evening. So that's all I got. Thanks, guys.